Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Phil Stinney, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Really appreciate you joining us tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm sorry, sorry it took so long to get it all scheduled, but I appreciate your patience and, and really thankful that you guys want me to be part of this. No, absolutely, Phil. Uh, when Lionel said your name, we're like, oh, man, that would be awesome if you could connect us to Phil. Because uh, I, I, like Kevin, was a freshman in college when you were a senior, and I, I remember you being the absolute man your senior year. Yeah, I, I had quite the senior year. I was waiting for that. Uh, you know, you know, you go through the trials and tribulations of of those first three, and then you feel like it's your turn. So I tried to make the most of it. Well, you, you definitely did. Absolutely. Uh, and we connected you through Lionel, uh, and Lionel said you were like a, you were a mentor to him, essentially a big brother who was completely cool showing him the, the ropes when he uh, first came to campus. Yeah, that's my little brother. We're still – we still tight to this day. It's like, you know, you don't see you don't see the guys as much or or speak to them as much. But when you do see them face to face, it's like you go go into a time walk right back to where you where you left off. And uh, it's, it's quite the relationship that we've we've gained It's a brotherhood. You know, we have a, a group that we text with, um, <clears throat> you know, once a week these days and. Uh, we have some some of the older guys on there, you know, Bruce Petway, Martin Henlon, Ed Sherrod, Vince Wilson, Lionel, Chris Cheeks, John Thompson. It, I mean, we it goes on. And we have about a list. I think we have a group of about 15 on that text. Mm. And, you know, we just all That's keep awesome. up. Just update each other what's going on with the families and, and what's going on in our lives and talk about the – the world that it is these days and of sports, a lot of sport talk, you know, and, you know, Vince, Vince got a big week. His daughter goes out to the Olympic trials on Friday. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. That's really cool. Hey, so uh, Phil, you grew up in Charlottesville, right? Yep. Born and raised. I went away. I went away when I came to VCU and then we, I went abroad for 12 years and, when we decided to raise our family, we didn't have an option. The grandparents said, you've been gone long enough. Let's bring them home. And uh, been here ever since. Well, that's cool. So I, I have to, Go ahead, Paul. I have to ask, you You grew up in Charlottesville. Did you get recruited by UVA? I did. I did. Okay. They uh, they recruited me. My, 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 big, my big four was VCU, Maryland, uh, Georgetown and and George Mason. It was like a it was a weird list, but it was you know it was all about the coaches that build a relationship with me, and uh, I I chose VCU because it was close to home and they had six seniors. So I said if I could you know just improve, I will at least get some playing time throughout my career. So, how tall were you in high school? Uh. Six, five and a half, six, six. I grew maybe an inch, inch and a half while I was in college. Okay. Yeah, because in the video on YouTube, you look uh, like you're six, eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now now, now I'm in my 50s, so I'm probably back to about six, five, six, <laughs> five and a half. And I've been over as much. <laughs> well, Kevin and I are also in our 50s, and yeah, we know what it's like to go the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what was it like? Bill, that, did that? Go ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry. No, the no, Zoom no, delays. Go right ahead. No, it's yeah, sorry. yeah. 
Go ahead. So growing up in uh, Charlottesville, what was that like for you? Um, you know, it's just like anywhere else. You, you, <clears throat> Charlottesville, well, I'm not going to say it's like anywhere else. Charlottesville is a place that you can make it what you want. And, uh, you know, I've had, I, I have a big, I'm an only child, but I have a big extended family uh, all over the city. So, you know, when I was growing up, you know, family was big and everybody stayed as close as they possibly could. We had a lot of family functions on weekends and holidays. So everybody knew who everyone was. Um, and, and, you know, back then it really took a village to, to, to raise a kid. And, and I was lucky that <clears throat> the, rate, the, the village set me on the right path because some of my relatives and friends got straight off to, to, to an area that they couldn't come back from. So I was pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you had a, a family that was looking after you. Uh, without that, then I, I'm guessing you could have very easily gone down a wrong path too. I had I had a mother that had me when she was 14 years old. Um, I was the only child. Dad wasn't in my life. Um, <clears throat> and as I was growing up, I had, I had five uncles and two aunts that pretty much everybody everybody lived in the same house as I grew up. So m- many people thought I was the baby brother. And they actually treated me like the baby brother. So I got a lot of hand-me-downs and a lot of smacks. And so they <laughs> they wanted to make sure that I would do better than them. And that's the way I was raised throughout the house. Um, and as I was growing up, you know, one one uncle would leave, one aunt would leave, one uncle would leave. And it just became me and my mom. And, you know, she, she, she was, a, I mean, when I say tough lady, she was tough. But it was all love. She was determined to make sure I did better and had more than she did. And you know, coming from a teenage mom, that's all you could want. That she took the responsibilities to raise me. A lot of teenage moms don't get that option, you know. So she she just sacrificed and she sacrificed everything for me. And she's always been a big part of your life, it sounds like. Yeah, well, she passed away some years ago, but you know. Even to the day before she passed, she was she was showing me that tough love. She was with me. We had a dinner. It was an Easter dinner. She passed the day after Easter. Um, but she was showing my kids who was the boss. And she called me over, smacked me upside the head and said, see, I am the boss. Nobody. <laughs> and what can I say? You're right. Okay, mom, right. you prove your point. Yeah. You know, but it was, it was uh it was quite the relationship. She still holds a big part of my heart everything I do these days and much with my parenting and, and who I am as a man, I think about what I please her, you know, that's what it's all about. And it sounds like she, she passed away way too young. Yeah, she did. She passed away uh, just a few months after her 51st birthday. Oh my goodness. Oh man. And so, you know, she was having some issues and she didn't really let the family know what was going on. Um, but that Easter dinner was big to her. She had to have that Easter dinner. And my wife and I, we talk about it even to this day. She knew she didn't have much longer. And she died. She died. She was a, she was a big smoker. And, you know, she raised a kid from 14 up. So she had a rough life. And, you know, I wasn't an easy kid, but I wasn't a bad kid. But, you know, the responsibilities of a, a teenage mom and doing everything she could. She was 15 and she had a 15 year old son. I mean, she was 30 years old. And she had a 15 year old son. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. So. I, 
I was 30 when I got married. I couldn't imagine having a baby, much less a 15 year old. Exactly. <laughs> so, so she, she, she was a trooper and she taught me a lot. She taught me a lot. So Phil, what, what sports did you play growing up? I, I imagine basketball must've been your favorite, but uh, did you play everything growing up? I didn't, I didn't play anything. I didn't start really? playing basketball until I was that right before, I guess about 13 years old. I was just, you know, I just rode a lot of bike, hanging out with my friends and, you know, trying to be the cool guy. And, and then I realized I started getting interested in girls and girls like jocks. So I became a jock. And, you know, and then <laughs> I, great. I, I broke my kneecap um, the summer before my ninth grade year and I grew six inches. Mm. They changed my cast that summer four times. I got, I actually got a, I actually got a spanking because my mom thought I was going outside doing stuff I wasn't supposed to. I had a cast on from my ankle to the top of my thigh uh, in the summertime. Wow. Yeah, and I grew six inches. I went from like five eight to six two. So wow. wait a minute, Phil. You, you didn't play any other sports besides basketball once you figured out the girls liked jocks. I, I, I ran track. Okay. I, 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 I was a high jumper and I was a long, a triple jumper and I ran the 400. All right. Well, we're going to have to get okay. some stats. Do you remember your stats from those events? I still, I still hold the high jump record at Charlottesville right now. Nice. Six, That's awesome. Six, <laughs> but I will, I weighed like 170 pounds at that point. So <laughs> believe me, it was a lot easier getting up off the ground. 6'11", you're, you're jumping over uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I can't say his name, but the Greek yeah. freak. I, 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 was, I, was, I was blessed to have some have a, have a little jumping ability in, in my day. So Was it all natural, or did you work really hard at it, or a combination of the two? No, nah, it was all natural. I didn't really know how to lift weights or do anything like that until I got to VCU. Yeah, wow. Wow. That's crazy, man. Crazy. Yeah, that is. So when you were in high school, you, you were the man, big man on campus? I wasn't. I wasn't. I was, I, it was much like college. I had to wait my turn. Um, I had some guys, I actually, I actually got cut from ninth grade and, uh, you know, had you could do eighth grade ball and go trial for ninth grade. I got cut from that team because I was trying to be too cool, trying to be a bad guy. And then ninth grade, I got put on JV. And from that point on, for my sophomore year, I was put on varsity, but I wasn't, I didn't become a starter on varsity until my junior year. Okay, right on. But you you became pretty well-known, obviously. You had some colleges talking to you by the time you were in your senior season, or were they talking to you before your senior season? No, not until my – I never went to any – I never did AAU or, or any type – only camp I went to, and I only went to one camp, and that was UVA camp. Um, my coach, who's a, who was my mentor – who is still close to me now, Kevin, uh, Kenny Leatherwood, he just, he made phone calls and talked and, you know, just put me out there. And, you know, and when people found, found out I was a six, seven, six, eight athletic jumping beam, started getting a lot of interest. Mm -hmm. You know, people started coming, seeing me, and I was pretty aggressive. Couldn't shoot, you know, but I could get to the basket at a quick step, was a good athlete, could guard, you know, two or three people. And, you know, that's what, you know, got the buzz back then. Well, it's a good thing uh, he was making those phone calls. Without it, who knows? You may maybe never go to VCU. Exactly, exactly. Um, the funny thing was when when VCU heard about me, Tubby Smith came to recruit me. He came to one game, 
And then he didn't come back. And the next time I saw anybody from VCU was JD Barnett. JD started recruiting me himself. And he just, you know, JD back then, everything was cool. You know, he had his shades on. I don't care if he was inside. Uh, he, if he didn't have a cigar lit, he was about ready to light it up. The guy <laughs> followed me on every track meet. You know, it was just, it was, it was funny because I told everybody, I was like, you know, JD was coming in my track meets and everything. And they was like, what? JD, what? He must really wanted you. That's what everybody mm -hmm. else said, <laughs> you know, because he took over the recruiting. It was pretty cool. Well, so if, if, if JD was recruiting you, did that mean you were like a, a big deal for them or cause Tubby, oh, I was, Tubby got I was, in some good guys too, right? Yeah. Well, I came out with, it was me and Daryl Reed. Daryl Reed was a Northern Virginia guy. Um, but I, he got more playing time my freshman year, but I think I was considered the bigger recruit, I guess, because it was a Virginia recruit as well. Everybody knew how badly Maryland wanted me. Um, it was like the day that I was going to sign with VCU, Lefty Giselle was trying to come to the house because he didn't, he didn't want me to sign. He had one more pitch. So it was like a big deal between those two schools. You could have played with Lynn Bias, man. Not to take anything away from Calvin Duncan, Rolando Lamb, and those guys, but you would have been on the same team with Lynn, right? Yeah. Whoo! Wow. I know. Wow. And 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 and, and Terry Long, who right. was a Richmond guy. Yeah, he was. Yeah, uh, Herman Herman yeah. Ty, that's right. Yeah. Yep. I when I visited, Lynn Bias took me out. So. It so was, awesome. was did VCU just come down to it was closer to Charlottesville? Yeah, and I just I, I you, it felt like home, you know. When I when I got there, when on my visit, and if you ever have any time with Mike Brown, <laughs> he he's gonna make you feel like you <laughs> you're the top of the world, and uh, and Calvin and Orlando, everybody was open arms, man. And 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 when I tell people, Tubby Smith sealed the deal because I always felt like I meant something to him. You know what I mean? And even when I was there, wasn't playing or whatever, he and I would have some conversations that just, you know, I always tell everybody between Tubby Smith, Ed Sherrod, Monty Knight, Calvin Duncan, uh, Rolando Lamb, I grew up very quick. I, I, I understood what it took to be successful. I understood what it took to be a better basketball player and a better man because of watching those guys, they just, they just set an example for me. So. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I got the vibe uh, from Rolando and Calvin that they came in the same way. And by the time they, they left VCU, they, they had grown up quite a bit and they wanted to make sure that, that they could return the favor for the, uh, and, uh, and the it guys. Became, in. It became, that's who we were. The, 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 the pass, the passing of the torch, you know? So when Lionel came, he was the guy. He was going to be the guy to carry the torch. And then he passed it on. Then he passed it on. It, it was just, that's just who we were. We were never that big program. Yeah, the hoopla that VC was getting great is getting now is awesome. Um, we were always the little, you know, the little ball head kids out in, out in the playground. Didn't get a lot of respect. And we had to earn it, um, which which was great even, even then. But if we had social media back then, we probably could have been a big deal because we did some things as a as a small school in Richmond. I mean, my freshman year, I think we got ranked number eleven in the country. Oh yeah, you did. And Calvin and Rolando, 
if it was social media, that they would both been first rounders. Oh yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? For what they were doing and how they were changing the, the way basketball was played, man, those two guards, it wasn't a guard game back then. It was a big man game. They dominated, man. And me watching that, I, I just, you know, I just wanted that success. So I was like, whatever they did, I'm gonna follow their lead. And so summertime came, I went to work. So. Well, you know, Phil, it's not, and it's not just the way they play. Calvin Sox were, were phenomenal. But it, it, <laughs> uh, Paul and I were talking earlier today. We, we consider the 80s to be the golden age of VCU basketball. And, and don't get me wrong, like you said, the last 15 years, you know, beating Duke in the tournament, going to the Final Four, which was unbelievable. That's great. But the 80s was where it was at with VCU basketball. You guys set a high bar. As a small school, like you said, a small school then in the Sun Belt Conference that it, you know, it let all the 20 years since then, all those BC teams have been aiming at that. So um, kudos to you and all the guys there. And Lionel told us you are the reason he came to VCU. So that, that's awesome. Yeah, when, when Lionel visited, I, um, I, I, I said, usually the upperclassmen don't really want to take out the freshmen, don't want to take out the recruits. It was just something about him when I met him in the basketball office. I went to the coach. I say, look, I'll hang out with him tonight. And they were looking like, really? Okay, cool. Because, you know, the upper class really didn't do that. Now, when they got there, then we would, you know, grab them, put them on our wing and this, that, and other. We just didn't deal with all the recruiting and making false promises and anything. And I was straight up with him. I told him who we had, what we were doing. And I told him, you know, if you come in here with this mindset, this is what could happen for you. And, and I told him that I will always be there to support it and just come in to work hard. And he, before he left, he's like, man, I'm coming. He said, say, no, I'm coming. I was like, cool. <laughs> so, so you're, the, you're awesome. the reason we got to know Lionel because Lionel basically lives in Virginia because of you. He, 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 remind, <laughs> he reminds me that of, of that a lot. So and I, and I, he's like, I told him that's, he's like my little brother. So. I appreciate that, and uh, I appreciate the relationship he and I have. So, uh, was JD your coach all four years? No, JD was my coach my first year, and then Mike Polio came. In, oh, that's right. My sophomore to my senior year. All right. So, what was your most memorable game? I'm guessing it came from your senior year. No, my most memorable game. I didn't play a single minute. Oh, <laughs> was, was right. it your freshman year? I'm getting ready to tell you the story. All right. Awesome. So. We are at Freedom Hall. They had just renovated. And we are hyped. It's a television game. You know, they are who they are, Louisville. We're a little VCU. And I'm watching. I'm like, whoo, this is going to be a bomb burner. I hope I don't get in this game. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was one of those, right? So I'm saying I'm hyped. I was like, man, I got to make sure I do enough so I can maybe get in the shower at the end of the game because I know we're going to beat these guys. A, so I'm out there and I'm dunking and boo and everybody. I'm putting a crowd oohing and on because I'm down there dunking. Then, then Louisville started dunking. Then the rest of the boys on our team start dunking. So make a long story short, we go on and this back and forth, back and forth. And at the end of the game, we ran out of gas. We ran out of gas and the powerhouse of, the, of, of Louisville just, just beat us. So we get into the locker room and everybody's sitting around. 
hands down, knew that we we should have won. We had the game. And JD comes in and he starts going off. I mean, he is losing it on me. I mean, when I say he's losing it on me, he's going in on me. And I look around, and I was like, okay, I might get in trouble. But I think I said, uh, coach, hold on, hold on, coach. I don't know if you <laughs> I don't know if you know or you figured out. Uh, I didn't play a minute, coach. He said, Oh, oh, you think I'm stupid? I know you didn't play a minute. And he started going in and out. He's like, the reason we lost is because you were doing all that damn dunking and then everybody else started dunking and we didn't have legs at the end of the game because of you. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. I was like, wow. you don't tell me as an 18-year-old that I made grown-ass men start dunking because I was dunking. Right. Well, and, and wow. they didn't lose their legs from that. I know, but, <laughs> but that's who JD was. It was the mind games, yeah. right? And you know, he, yep. and 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 so I'm walking out, and Tubby looked at me. He's like, "Now he want to see how you respond from that." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was things like yep. that 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 Tubby gave me that I, I start understanding the psyche of 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 college coaches. You know, what doesn't break you make you. And I saw that, and I learned that. So that's cool. And and you your senior season was. So strong, you ended up being drafted in, in the NBA, right? I did, I did. Um, with the Knicks, and you know, it was, it was, it was bad at the time. It was bad time. Forgive me. I, don't don't get me wrong. I'm never going to say it was a bad thing because I'm always honored that I got drafted, and that still stands really high on my on my list of 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 of, of uh, accomplishments, but. Mm-hmm. I got drafted the same year they drafted. They traded for Kiki Vandaway. so oh, we yeah. played. We played the same position. So I pretty much knew that that I was either going to get sent to the CBA or release. And but the one thing was, I never got either. I decided to leave because I got a job in Spain, and and at that point, I I was trying to make money to help my mom. My mom worked her bones fingers to the bones forever and every little bit I could give was going to help. And that's all I, that's why I did it. So. And were you in Spain the entire time you were playing? Pro oh ball? man. No. Once I, once I realized that I was going to let Europe be my career, I said, here's my plan. I'm going to try to see as many countries as I can. I'm going to try to use basketball to see the world. And I did, I played in Spain, Italy, France, Hungary, Portugal, Poland, Israel, and then I went to Russia, China. I mean, I went all over the world. Basketball was truly wow. I have a I have a mural in my office at 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 work that a kid drew for me. It's me sitting on a basketball looking over the world. Because oh, cool. I told him basketball took me all over the world. That's really cool that he did that. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. So when did you meet your wife? Uh, We were high school sweethearts. She dumped me a couple of times when I was in college because we were doing the (laughs) athlete thing. Um, But I knew that's who I wanted to be. I knew that's, you know, that's who I wanted to be, the mother of my children. And 
we just we just had served, had our thirtieth anniversary last week. Well, congratulations! That's congratulations. Thank you. So, so hold on, I'm I'm doing some math. She, y'all were dating when you first went to Europe, when you first went to Spain. Yep. Okay. And then and then y'all got married at some point while you were doing the pro thing in Europe. We and got she, we got we got married in ninety two. I think yeah, ninety one, ninety two. Okay. And so she went all those places with you, or a lot of them. Yeah. Oh, she went everywhere. She went everywhere. When the only time she didn't come is when I was in training camp. Other than that, she would come over. And when we had our kids, she would come for a half a year and then go back for a half a year because we wanted our kids to do both in school, um, both places in school. Like one of my sons started school in Spain. The other one started in Israel. The other one started, um, went to school and both went to school in Portugal. So, you know, try to, like I said, give give them some life experiences that I didn't have. So, so uh, how many kids do you have, Phil? We have two boys. Okay. Two boys. Well, it, I, I, I know one of them. I, I know one of them because he plays for my Buccaneers. Uh, is he, is Aaron the older of the two or the younger? No, Aaron is the youngest. My oldest is Brian. He's in a medical field, and uh, he is he's a father of two. Nice, yeah. very yeah. cool. So, uh, wh- which country do you uh, think of most fondly out of all those countries you named? Um, people scratch their head when I say this. Israel. Okay. I thoroughly enjoyed everything about Israel. I love the pace of the country. Um, I love the, the, the climate. I love the beaches. I love the, it was just like, it was like another like Southern state of, 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 of America because everybody spoke English. Um, it was very much a Westernized uh, country, but with the history as well. Um, and you can learn as much as you want about the country, or you could just stay in your Western world. It, it, was, it was whatever you wanted to make out of it. And I was lucky I was in Haifa, which is one of the bigger cities. And then I was right outside of Tel Aviv. So. Kevin, did you, did you get the, did you get to play like anybody like the Dirk Nowitzki's of the world that were young playing over Europe that came over ended up coming over to the NBA. Did you cross paths with anybody like that over there? I played against Petrovic. I played against Tony Kukoc. I played against Dino Raja. I played against Sabonis. Um, Some older heads. Could you tell? Could could you tell they were going to be NBA stars when you were playing? I knew knew Sabonis was going to be special. Um, he just, he just, he was just uh, different. He was, <laughs> that's the way he just tried. He was just different. I wasn't sure about Tony Kuklic. I thought he would just get eaten up because he was so yeah. slender. But by the time he got here, he had put on a little size, a little muscle. Um, I thought Dino Roger was going to do it just like he did come here and make an impact. Um, we didn't yeah. see the best of him because of the injuries, but he was special. He would get you on that cool. block, man, and put you in a blender. He was something. <laughs> he was something. That's awesome. So, so bonus was different because he was a giant man, and he, and he was very, very coordinated for a guy he his was size. Very athletic. When he had, he tore his Achilles and messed up his knee. So that's when he came big and bulky, and he didn't move as well. Mm. But when I played against him, man, he was running, jumping, and dunking, and and then. Drazen Petrovic was just, he was just special, man. He was just, I mean, this dude, when he was on, 
50, 60 easily. Yeah. Yeah. When he was all when he was off 30. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? He was just special, man. He 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 was he, you know, you know, he we didn't he did get to become an all-star right before he passed. Um, but we yeah. we didn't get a chance to see his glory years, you know. So yeah, he he was yeah. taken taken way too early. Way too uh, early. Yeah. What was it like playing in China? Well, I played over there on a on a like a like a exhibition trip, mm. um, well, like a Nike trip, and it was it was different. It was different. Um, basketball was just getting off the ground at that point. Um, it was fun. You saw that these folks were going to be pretty good at it because they were diligent at it. Then they became, they started making academies where they were doing eight hours of basketball. Um, and we all said, okay, here it comes. They're coming, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> well, and they, uh, they clearly love the NBA. Mike. Oh Mike. yeah. Yeah. One of our biggest, it's one of the NBA's biggest markets. I mean, they're, they're, they're selling a lot of merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine China uh, spends more money than uh, America does. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because the population is what three or four times the size of the American population. Yeah, that and that is, um, I mean, it's baffling to think about that, isn't it? Oh, it's crazy. We, we think we're crowded. <laughs> yeah, we mm, we don't we don't understand. That's... Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Hey, hey, so uh, what are you doing these days? Well, I'm administrator and girls basketball coach at Saint Anne's Belfield School here in Charlottesville. Um, been doing that. I, I decided to do that 18 years ago, 19 years ago, said I'll do it a couple of years and I've been here ever since. Uh, just fell in love with the school. Um, I've had some, had my boys go through there. They've had some success and I've helped numerous of kids get that education. And, and I have a daughter that I adopted through the school. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's what I do. It's a, a, Small uh, independent schools like that are very tight knit communities and very, very supportive of the others in the community. Oh yeah. I have my family. Then I have my stab family. You know, yeah. I still have, I have kids that, you know, like on father's day on Sunday, I had maybe 30, 40 of, of my former students sending me texts and happy father's day. I mean, it's just, and you know, it goes from last year to 20 years ago. I mean, that's just the connection that that school gets because it's a small knit school and you get to know each, each student very personable. So. Yeah. Right on. Uh, I have to ask you, Phil, and I, I know you probably get this question a fair amount. What was it like watching your son play in the Super Bowl, and then, and then win the Super Bowl? Okay. Much like you two, we're a Super Bowl Sunday family. When it comes on, I, and, and and I assume that you guys are, because most of oh, yeah. America, most oh, yeah. of America, that's your day of celebration, right? And you've been yep. doing it yep. ever since you were a little kid, right? And so we were sitting there thinking, you know, and all that stuff, you know, we were like, eh, it's going to be what it's going to be. But then the hoopla starts, man. And you see that number 64 with your last name on the back of the jersey. <laughs> and you're like, awesome. holy crap. <laughs> That's our baby. <laughs> in yeah. the biggest game in America. The biggest game in the world. Yeah, you know what I mean? We, 
dude, I, I told everybody, I didn't stop floating until like March. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, my feet finally hit the ground in March. Was, oh, man. It was because, especially because of his plight to that position. You know, he went from undrafted to making a team to getting released to getting picked up by the Bucks. Felt comfortable, didn't even dress most of the time, but they, he was always on the 53. They showed him that they cared, that they, that, that they believed in him. And then to throw him in there in playoffs, man. Yeah, his, his first start was in the first round of the playoffs, right? First round of the playoffs, man. <laughs> That's he crazy. Went, it, it is insane. He went from, who was it? I, I think we went, my son broke it down. He went from uh, Cam Jordan, who lined mm-hmm. up right in front of him, to, I forget the guy. Was it Chase Young? I forget. Well, whatever. And to end up with Jones, who is the highest paid D tackle in the league, who's on beast, and he just stayed in front of him. He did. Tom never got touched. No, you, your son. I, I watch him because he's from Virginia, uh, and I he went to JMU. Right? He's he's he wasn't a huge recruit, undrafted, as you said. And I'm like, I hope he he kills it. I hope he absolutely nails it, and he did. And he did. You know, he, he said, but before he started that and that first game, he said the GM walked up to him. He said, this is what legends are made of. Oh. And, 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 and he called me, he's like, dad, I did, it didn't register what he was saying to me until I got home that night, tonight. And then he called me and I was like, yeah, dude, this could literally make or break your career. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as he stays healthy, it's made as long career, as he stays right? healthy, he may have just solidified himself a nice tenure in the NFL because everybody knows that he you can count on him during the crunch time. So how yeah. much how much he got cut by the uh, Titans? He got here's the funny thing about the the cut from the Titans when when they released him on Friday they had every intentions of re-signing him on Monday because the wide receiver went down and they thought that they could wave him and pick up one of the wide receivers on the, <clears throat> on the practice squad because they were thinking if they put him on the practice squad, anybody could grab him. If they waved him, it would take a while for it to get across the wave, wave route, uh, line that he was available. But I guess people were watching and it was – you know, when he went on the wave line, he had a lot of conversations and the Bucks scooped him up. I, I, I love my Bucks. I'm glad they did that, man. That, that's yeah. uh he, so how much time passed from him being cut to him starting in that playoff game? Um less than a year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine you you went from being completely because he had never been cut from anything in his life, nope. right? Nope. The first time he's cut is from a pro football team. And yep. then uh, less than a year later from being cut, he's blocking for seven times Super Bowl champions. <laughs> he is literally blocking for the GOAT. <laughs> like the undisputed wow. GOAT. The yeah, undisputed. yeah. He, he helped. He actually blocked to solidify his, his status as being the greatest of all time. Because no one yep. will ever get seven. Yeah. Mm-mm. Not a quarterback. Nope. Mm-mm. Crazy. So, it uh, does Aaron, Aaron I, I imagine Aaron's really tight with the, his teammates at, at this point. 
Uh, uh, the, it, you know, the, the one thing that I have found out about the NFL, your position line becomes really tight um, because you count on one another. So like the offensive line, when he was at the Titans, they were a close-knit group. And he's still tight. I mean, he's been in those guys' weddings. They're still tight. They go on vacations together. And same with the Bucks. I mean, they're all offensive linemen because they don't get much notoriety. The only time you hear their name is when they're doing something bad. So they, they're, <laughs> their, they're, their, they're their brother's keepers. They really are. Yeah, that's cool. And, and as a dad, that probably makes you feel great. Oh, yeah. I've met some really, really cool guys that have really helped my son become the pro that he is. Is, is Aaron living back in Charlottesville now, or is he down in Tampa? No, he lives in Tampa. And actually, I think that's probably why Tampa knew about him, because he trains in Tampa. And he trained. He was training with some of the Bucks guys. And, and he was going to make that his home anyway, because he loved it. And well, as long as he was playing, he was going to make that his summer home, because he loved training down there. He has a facility that he, is, uh, he believes in, and – and those guys believe in him, and they've, they've really helped him with his strength and abilities and all that good stuff. So he's going to compete for the right guard position because the the, the starting right guard at the beginning of the season is still on the roster, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, Kappa's good. I mean, he the thing about, about Aaron is he's, he's, a, he's a quick study, and that's, that's, that's been his, his gift so far. Um, you only have to show him a couple times. And now he plays – all of the interior. He plays left, uh, center, and right guard. So, yeah, awesome. center is a very, very hard position to master, yeah. I imagine. And that's and that's why they like him so much. He, he is he's getting pretty comfortable being there. So, at at the center spot. So you know, we'll see what happens. Phil, I I, I love it. I, we spent a ton of time talking about Eric because he's got a, a really amazing story. Tell us a little bit more about your other son. Well, Brian played uh, football at William Mary. He was a defensive end. Um, he had a good career, uh, nothing stellar, but he had some, he broke his foot and he had tore his meniscus. So, you know, he, he was always my guy that I thought was going to be in the NFL because he had all the business, all the abilities, quick feet, long arms, about six, four, weighed about 250, could move. But he just, you know, he just said, he said something when right before his senior year, he had toys meniscus. He said, I'm gonna get back so I can play my senior year. He said, but dad, I don't think I want to pursue it. I was like, why? He said, because I want to be able to run around with my kids. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So he knew, he knew if he had kept going with the injuries that he had, they were only gonna get worse because he's not like his brother. That that spot was an athletic spot where you had to, not saying Aaron's in the athletic spot because you gotta be able to hold that force and move your feet side to side, backwards and forwards. But that, you know, coming out of the dirt, using those turns, bending those limbs certain ways for a defensive end. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's tough on your body. What, what's he doing? You said he's in the medical field. What's he doing? Yeah, these he's a medical device rep. Okay, nice. Very cool. Yeah. It sounds like you raised uh, two in, uh, awesome sons and uh, sounds like they're both doing well these days. Uh, I, I wish nothing but the best for both of your boys and you and your wife, but I, I'm a little biased. I, I, I really hope Aaron uh, kills it this well, coming season. I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate <laughs> you guys having me on. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I thank you for giving me the credit for my boys, but 
I've been gone. I was gone a lot. So my wife was doing that single parent thing for half of a year and she did a yeoman's job, man. And, and, you know, I, she doesn't, the boys give her a lot of credit. They, they are mama's boys. And, you know, and I get that <laughs> and I get that. And, and, and I appreciate it because I was a mama's boy. So. Yeah. You, uh, I was going to say you're a mama's boy. I know I'm a mama's boy and I'm pretty sure Kevin is. Too. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, Phil, could, do you mind stick, sticking on, uh, at the, for a couple minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop recording. It's awesome having you, man. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.